Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 33 of Utopia to Me with me, your host, Chris Locke. How's it going? It's very uh, nice, sunny day out here in Toronto, Ontario. That's right. I'm back in Toronto, and I came, I came back in time for uh, spring to start. So it is actually getting uh, sunny, nice weather, and uh, I hope you guys are all doing well, like going out for walks, getting exercise. Uh, you know, doing karate kicks in the sky, whatever you can do, jump off a roof, try, oh here, uh, kids listening at home, I know a lot of kids listen to Utopia to me, if you're listening at home, here's something you could do this uh, spring, try and run off of one roof of a house and do a karate kick in the sky and land on another roof, just try it, be like the daredevil, you know what I mean, Uh, don't worry about it, you won't hurt yourself, this episode Guys, I'm glad that uh, kids don't do that. I don't think kids listen to this, but don't do that anyways. Adults don't do that. How about that? Adults that listen to Utopia to me, don't try to karate kick. Nah, just do it. Just try and do it. This episode, I cut myself off. This episode is good because the the guest is Canadian legend Ron James. Okay, do you hear what I'm saying? Ron James, uh, over 20 years of stand-up, uh, tours all over the country, back and forth, everywhere, as you will hear. We talk about that, mention a lot of interesting uh, road trips, and I had two TV shows on uh, Canadian TV here. So he's uh, doing amazing, and uh, i got to admit, it took us a while, uh, almost over, uh, over half an hour to get talking about his actual utopian world. But chatting with him about anything is really interesting and fun, and we had a great time. So you're going to love the conversation no matter what. You get a really good peek into Ron's world. Also, early on, you get to hear me try and be political for a second, which is uh, humiliating because that's just not how I think. But uh, I couldn't even remember what I was trying to say. That's totally my style. But we had so much fun, huge laughs, uh, hung out in his office uh, down on... uh, uh, in Toronto here, and it was really a great time. So I already gave you a weird intro about doing karate kicks off the roofs, and uh, hopefully I gave Ron a good enough intro. You guys already know who he is. You're going to love this uh, episode. It's so much fun. So sit back, listen to Ron James. Here we go, and enjoy. Maybe we should both, uh, before we dive right into it, give give our reasons why we're we're feeling a little zonked on a rainy Afternoon, Mon- yeah, okay, rainy man. Monday afternoon. All right, well, you go ahead. It's your show. You go first. <laughs> well, my reason is just because um, I was going through my tax receipts all day, sorting them out, oh, and trying to add them up. That's that's a Herculean task. That you want to know uh, one thing that I know that my accountant's going to learn about me that I'm a little nervous about: uh, Indian food and gin. <laughs> 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 He's going to think you're reenacting the days of the Raj. Yeah, right? well. That you're sitting on like uh, one of those elephants. Yeah, well. That maybe you reenact tiger hunts and that you need all the authentic food. I would honestly love to do that, except in a more humanitarian way. <laughs> well, I <laughs> can think. Can you do it? Is that possible? They probably have trips now where you can pet them. You know, yeah. I just, I'm tired because I flew in from a red eye from right. the Yukon. I, I was up in the Yukon and uh, Dawson City. Anyway, speaking of. Hunting tigers and stuff. Yeah. I was doing a show for all these different outfitters and um, trippers and stuff who take tourists on every kind of trip in the Yukon. And I talked to Buddy, who is a world-renowned bear guide. Right. And he gets – and so – and he says – 
uh, you like? I said, yeah, I love bears. Yeah. And I said, well, how close do you get? And he looks at me and goes, does bear breath bother you? <laughs> really? That's what he said. That's man. his sales pitch. <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> You're like, sold. <laughs> Take me. Good. Yeah. Good, good, good. That's well, really amazing. The and, show was fun, too, and you right? Know what, yeah, it was a riot. Yeah. The Yukon. I like getting up there, man. I've never been Dawson's there. Dawson's really hip. Yeah. Oh, yeah, man. And then uh, I, uh, after all that, after the official corporate stuff was done, uh, and they like a pop or two, right? Yeah. And it's living history, Dawson, yeah. because it was preserved, uh, a lot of the buildings. By pop or two, you mean like a nice beer? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> That's what the old guys say. That's what we say at the Legion, Chris. Yeah. I like a pop or two. Jesus Christ, you like a pop or two? <laughs> Jesus, did they put Ron McLean way the hell up there for? I, oh, I feel like the reference wasn't that far removed from my understanding. I just wanted to... Yeah. Because I just didn't want to picture you up there drinking real soda pops <laughs> with these bear hunters. <laughs> well, you know, there. Uh, I was on a hike this winter where one of the guides, all they drank was Fanta Orange Pop. Really? Yeah, and he was this Mexican shaman. Who would say, like, you would hike for 10 hours a day, and he would say five words. Oh, wait. This was your trip down south. Was this? I bumped into you after you just got back from that one. I did. I, I, I came home after. Was that the Egypt? Sh- did no. You know? No. Uh, wait. Chile and Argentina. Oh, Chile and Argentina. Argentina, and that's what I was I thinking I came of, home yeah. and made an expensive drunk dial after the show was canceled. And yeah. said, uh, you know, one of those things to myself, like, CBC's not going to ruin my fucking life. Right? It, yeah. <laughs> So I signed up for a National Geographic <laughs> trip, and uh, I don't know what was tougher. Yeah, they were like, right this way, sir. <laughs> exactly. That's And nice. I was the only Canadian in a gang of unapologetic Republicans. Oh, right. It I remember brutal. you mentioning that. Hard. That's hard God, for you, right? Breed. But the Yukon, yeah, it was yeah. hard. But the uh, I find they can be dismissive. Yeah. You know, a little patronizing. You know, there's the simple Canadian, you know, what are you guys doing for the world kind of thing. Right. That stuff, right? Aren't you guys a bunch of lefties up there? Things like that. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's because we have a lot of space and we're relaxed. I think so. And, <laughs> you know, and, we get to think about things for a sec. Yeah. I think it's, uh, yeah, I think uh, sometimes I wonder if like the American population in general, just the craziness of the population and capitalism just leads to that kind of Republican stubborn thinking. I think so. A lot right, because they don't have time to relax. It's just like every man for himself. A lot of them had warrior pedigrees too, right? Yeah, like Vietnam pedigrees with their dads and World War II. Oh pedigrees yeah, that's and true. Stuff. Yeah, but to get back to the Yukon, there, um, that guy, his oh, whole yeah. motto with the bear trip, yeah, was never retreat. And I said, what? But they give you pamphlets and Banff that say, don't look them in the eye, and they go, oh no, we look them in the eye. They know us. Yeah, we look them in the eye. We give them the finger. <laughs> And I just think, wow, man, I don't... Did he have a big beard? Was he a big guy? No, he wasn't. He was just an unassuming cat, and he runs this... Uh, Crazy. He runs this tour group with his sons and uh, two German sisters in their mid-twenties. Wait, how'd they get there? <laughs> <laughs> the Germans sons? can't get enough of Canada. Yeah. Oh, they're everywhere. Especially up north. I used to have a lot of jokes about Germans. Yeah, but sometimes uh, corporate audiences go quiet when you're imitating German, right? And I, I used to because those are their best clients, right? Sure, they are. Yeah, right. Germany, uh, who knew uh, that Germany would take over the world? But they did. Uh, I, I heard a, a bear guy talking one day in Jasper when I was out there, mm-hmm. and um, I was sitting at a cafe, and he was talking. He was German, yeah. and he was saying to his buddies, "says I cannot believe that family from Anaheim they want to sue me." 
<laughs> and uh, he said, so I'm listening, right? And he said, uh, they wanted to go for a hike behind the chalets, so I took them. And it was elk calving season. Yeah. They were from Anaheim, California. Right. And uh, this grizzly bear, about half a mile from the lodge, bursts out of the bushes about 50 yards in front of them, grabs an elk calf, snaps it in half, and starts burying its face into its guts. That's why they want to sue? And every and the woman said, the woman said, my children were traumatized. Yeah. They were tra-. And the German guy said, I would be traumatized if I went to Disneyland. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty good. That was pretty good, man. Anna, yeah, he's good. So I just listened to them. <laughs> Those I just, kids have PTSD now. <laughs> they're hurting. <laughs> they're hurting. They're in intense therapy. They can't watch the movie Paddington anymore. <laughs> <laughs> No, they're not like that. They're not like that. They're different. Yeah, spoiler alert, uh, anyone who's listening, Paddington goes nuts at the end of that movie. <laughs> well, that's good. You're still traveling a lot, uh, doing yeah. stand-up. Let's talk about some of that before. Okay, but Because, you know, the the premise of the show, we talk about the, oh, my God, you even have a Farley Mowat collection? You are Canadian to the bone, eh? Farley signed those for me. I used to go visit him. Are you serious? Yes, buddy. Jeez. I used to when I play Port Hope. Uh, okay, I, I should say I haven't even said it yet. This is well, I've said it at the beginning, but this is Ron James we're talking to, oh. and I just want to say that uh, I've already given you an intro in the intro when we do Thanks, this buddy. when I release this, anyways. But we are in his office. That's why I'm, I looked around. I just caught the eye of these. Got a whole signed collection of actual. You guys want to question how Canadian Ron James is? He's got signed Farley Mowat Curse of the Viking Grave. Oh my God! I, I used to, uh, and you know what? That's really cool. If Yoda liked to get shit faced, that'd be Farley. Yeah. So I go in. Yeah, I go in to see him. I go in to see him and Claire at their place. This was several years ago. Now he was eighty nine at the time. Did you just seek him out as a fan of his books? Yeah, because I knew he lived in Port Hope. Yeah. And I thought that he was the. F- well, when I was a kid, he was the rebel, right? Yeah. He was this. Yeah, he was a rebel. I mean, for, he was uh, the guy that rode a whale for the killing, and for somebody who had uh, gone through the crucible of World War II and no birds sang, the yeah. Battle of Ortona, um, he had every right to claim the terrain that he claimed. And then when uh, Saturday Night Magazine turned on him back in the uh, late eighties. Kind of broke my heart a little bit because, you know, the school's named after him. He was such a prolific writer. But he would mm-hmm. say things like, I never let the truth get in the way of a good story. Yeah. You know, which is what any comedian does. He just stretched the truth somewhat. Yeah, a you lot know? of people, yeah. Right. It's the only Artists. way to color it. Anyway, I went to see him. And uh, he pours me a drink of rum at like uh, 11 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> and yeah. um, I can tell his, he, he's one of those cantankerous old rebels whose bullshit meter's always on. Right. right. So I was, uh, and uh, he called him and his wife Claire Mr. and Mrs. Mole. And they were, it was this little hobbit house in Port Hope. And I sat in there and the wall is just you know, festooned with little articles and awards and curios and things that he'd accumulated in a life lived. And then up on the wall, er, er, every one of his books, at that point in time, he'd written 48. He was 89. He was working on his 49th. And they were in languages like, like Urdu. Like, you know, uh, um, his book on Siberia was translated in Russian and there's Japanese titles and Chinese titles and, all languages from the four corners of the globe were on the, um, you know, the sleeves of his books, and it was really cool. But he said to me, he said, Ronnie, 
uh, Canadians don't trust satire. Uh, we have too much of a deference for authority. You got to sneak in the back door and be sitting down at the kitchen table before the sons of bitches even know you're in the house. Which I thought was great. Yeah. So he was, I thought he was talking to me about the subversive nature of funny. Because mm-hmm. I find that in some places when you're on the road, um, and, uh, you know, like if you're teeing off in Enbridge in the Epcor Center in Calgary, you're going to hear some quiet. Yeah. You know? Yeah, you need to earn their trust a lot more here yeah. in Canada. I think that's what he was saying. Yeah. Yeah. Sneak I, it in the back door. I got a theory about that, but it might be a little nutty. But this is the place to say I it. I guess it is. Isn't it? <laughs> yeah, we did start off about grizzly bear mauling. <laughs> that um, because Canada doesn't have a predisposition for rebellion, yeah. because the country wasn't sired in the smoke and fire of revolution, that we really don't have a predisposition for the rebel voice. Right. I mean, look at America's. Uh, you know, America's call to arms is give me liberty or give me death, uh, where we are what? Peace, order, and good government. If that's not an order to sit in your hands and shut up, <laughs> I don't know what is. And yeah. then, you know, but you think about the great icons that we admired from our art form, right? Our craft in the early days, like Pryor and yeah, all those guys. There's no way cats like that would have had a chance to develop here. Because they, we had yeah. one rebel, and they hung him 140 years ago, Louis Riel, and neither liberals nor conservatives have pardoned the guy. So you know you got to be doing something right if Ottawa hates your guts that long. I told this guy at a party that I liked, good guy, um, still a friend, but I told him just <laughs> flippantly. Still a friend. Yeah, well, because like... Well, it's, it, it's, it can go south so easily. Yeah, right? you never Because you've set it up like, I told this well, guy Well, I'm not a very a political guy. I'm uh, artsy to the max. You know, so everything is... Uh, weird, goofy analogies for me, but I t- compared Canada like ten years ago to like a Home Depot, and all the main cities along the the border are like the checkout points. Of, <laughs> you know what I mean? That's true, man. But that's what I thought. And then he got mad. He's like, "No," and he's obviously stuck up for all the other things that Canada is, which I get, obviously. But we just sold what? What did we we sold to uh, Saudi Arabia? The uh, our all our um god what oh, what did we sell i just read it was it all the uh all the uh, tanks they're building in london no it was uh how do we sell them something oh man i can't i brought it up and i can't even remember i've been in the yukon so i got an excuse was it the last few days yeah, yeah. all right i was we sold them like a whole access to all our resources like well we do that to every, we yeah that i know everybody. but we have been doing that like that's the thing that's what i mean like 10 years down the road i think it was like wheat or something <laughs> Maybe it was weak. I don't know. <laughs> I hate that I don't remember and I brought it up. You know, uh, you got to pick your battles. Fighting for wheat going to Saudi Arabia is a losing one, especially it's going to get them quiet at the Riv at about the first five minutes. Hey, come on, man. What about that wheat that's going to Saudi Arabia? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right. And then you're like, okay, well, anyways, the other day my dick was weird. And- <laughs> Yay! <laughs> they just go yeah. crazy. Yeah. <laughs> I can't believe what I, a genital warts look like. Anyway, there you go. I can't believe I can't remember. It's so embarrassing. That's, That's how funny. political I am. Well, but uh, we sold something important to Saudi Arabia. But um, I think you get. Uh, I think there's two ways you can go when you get older. You either get more political or you check out. Right? I mean, most. I'm 57 now, and a lot of cats I know are just saving up for their RSP so they can retire in some racist Republican sunbelt. 
Right. Right. Huh? <laughs> Where your neighbors will call Obama everything but president. Yeah. Well, right. anyways, I I know what you mean. I you uh, getting a call? No, I'm 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 looking That's it up. Just gonna, oh, oh. I'm looking it up. That's how stressed say, I am. Man, what a what a riveting interview. <laughs> Everybody, Chris has just uh, decided to tweet in the middle of the interview. Oh, that's oh good. it's not it. What, forget, it them. forget it. Forget all right. it. All right. I can't even find Was it. Was it pickerel? <laughs> yeah. You know, Saudi Arabia owns all our pickerel. During now. the uh, <laughs> during the famine in Biafra in the I 70s, just wanted to say right? last year, Kathleen, who you know because she worked yes. on, on your show with you. Yes. Last year, her and I got a free stay yeah. at a condo that my parents were at. In uh, Florida. Oh, boy. Because you were sort of referencing that. Right. It was intense. Isn't it intense? <laughs> we felt so uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah. You must have. Yeah. Like uh, Naples. <laughs> oh, Naples. <laughs> like, we're young ding-dongs. Like, I had a big beard and like... Oh, no, I think I had a mustache at the time. Like this. Come on, man. And a Hawaiian You're young, sh- newlywed hipsters. That's and there I'm you are in <laughs> Stepfordville. Yeah. Everybody was... Uh, so white that you know when they're like so white you could see the uh, veins the veins <laughs> yeah their faces look like not... veins and butter <laughs> that's good man. like if butter could have varicose veins that's what everyone looked like mm. and they were yeah and was... you know they're all packing too right that's what I, I couldn't yeah you know they're I... all packing isn't that crazy the cutest little old ladies got a derringer in her purse yeah yeah they're nuts for that down there I don't get it I got stuck in yeah. Montana this summer with a flat Mile City, and I was killing a day up at this. Uh, I got a, a bicycle while I was waiting for my car to be repaired. I hope and this doesn't sound like just American bashing. No, 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 no. <laughs> All right. No, does, no, it's does okay. Does this go to the States? Does this uh, kill your... I'm got, I've got international listeners now. <laughs> okay, look, we like... I like America. <laughs> Me Canada's too. got a short... I we love America. We're, ta- we're not talking about America. We're talking about Montana we're and Naples. We're talking about Republicans. Yeah. Montana and Naples. <laughs> yeah. And even though the people were nice to me in, in, in Montana, and they helped me out a great deal, I went up to this public park, right? Spotted Eagle Park. Biked up in this mountain bike. I ran it. Yeah. Families having picnics and everything. I had a lunch in my... In my knapsack, and I sat down under a cottonwood tree by the river in spring, thinking, hey, man, I'm right at the foot of history. This is so cool. Crazy Horse and all those guys, and Lewis and Clark came through here, and all of a sudden I hear, bang, 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 shooting range beside the playground. Whoa. Yeah, man. That's just different. Yeah. That's just That's not how we plan our cities here. It's just different. I'm so glad there's not a shooting range in uh, Algonquin Park. That would suck. I think uh, I Did learned how to shoot a... a bow and arrow there, though, when I was a kid. Archery. But that was different. That Did was you go part to camp? camp? Yeah. Taylor Staten Camps. Algonquin I Park. always wanted to go to camp. We didn't. We went camping. But you, grew, you were out in Nova Scotia. Yeah. Dad would take us camping. We would go in his True Line tent trailer. Yeah. So we would go to, like, up to Cape Breton and stuff. Were you from Cape Breton? Yeah. No, you're f- I was born there. Oh, yeah, okay. I was born in uh, coal mining town of Glace Bay. Yeah. And then uh, dad worked for the phone company, and then we moved to Halifax. But we go back and forth to see my mother's family. Yeah. And dad's people were Newfoundlanders. She was Cape Bretoner. And then oh, we'd nice. go up to the highlands in the summertime for three weeks, man. It was great, you know? You'd yeah. Semi-feral, just 
you know, running through the woods and on the beach rocks and stuff, and yeah. trying to got taken, trying to not get taken by the undertow, shit like that. You yeah, that's so cool. I I have a soft spot for the Maritimes. My mom's whole side of the family is from New Brunswick. Where? Um, St. Andrews. Oh, in Blacks Harbor. St. Andrews is nice, man. Yeah, that's where they got the big lodge. I think we're going there this summer. Cool. Yeah, that was the hotel that Stephen King based The Shining on. The Algonquin. Yes, sir. My mom worked there. Did she? And then she had she seen the ghosts. She met all these rich tourists there working there, and that's what inspired her to move to Toronto as a youth to to start her own business. Oh, what did she do? Uh, she's retired now, but she started. Uh, this is the most personal I've gotten here about my mom. But yeah, she started a. Temporary and permanent placement agency for women in the seventies, and then it became everybody. Wow, everybody in the eighties, nineties. Yeah, 80s, some 90s. big American coin used to roll into the Maritimes back in those days. Yeah, so she would work for them, and then yeah. she'd just get inspired, like I got to get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> we used to play car from away when we were kids. Oh yeah, car from away. When you see license plates, car from away, car from away. <laughs> just because from anywhere but there. <clears throat> yeah. That's so funny. I love Toronto though. It's been thirty-five years, man. Yeah, Aside from three in L.A. Yeah, yeah, I'm I mean, from here. I stick up for Toronto. It's a great city. Are yeah. you kidding? You know, and, it's really uh, great now. Oddly enough, Drake and Rob Ford made it world famous. As much as we hated Rob Ford, um, how'd you like to be running for politics and have Tweedledee and Tweedledum's endorsement? I mean, is that a good thing? Well, is that did, like the Hell's Angels breaking thumbs? In he your just behalf? said he couldn't testify in court for something because of his health, and then he's out campaigning. Yeah. It's still, he's still, he's anyways. still a show. He's still a show, man. He's still, you know, they can, they can put that three ring circus up. Uh, they still got that tent in their trunk. But everywhere I travel in the States Every, now, they're, you doing the they're like the Drake States? or uh, Rob Ford. Oh, they know, wow. You know what I mean? Were you playing clubs down there? Uh, no, I just jump mm. on some shows. Right I don't on. have uh, working uh, papers yet working on that. <laughs> I went to the comedy cellar in New York about two months ago. This is like this is just hanging out now. This is really yeah, is. good though. <laughs> and I David Tell was on stage. Yeah. Have you ever seen him? Uh yeah, yeah. He's, He's amazing. Yeah. I'm not sure. The comedy cellar in New York. Yeah. I laughed so hard. Genuinely. And full body like like moving. Yeah. Like stroke laughing. That's good. Uh purple head stroke laughing. I laughed so hard he <laughs> bought me a drink. Really? How great is that? Yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah, yeah that was pretty cool, man. Uh, yeah, that's I his love home base. Seeing, love seeing guys at the top of their game like that. Yeah. It's so inspiring and so great. And what's good about, uh, I think, what we do is we're always learning, right? Soon yeah. as you think you've got it figured out and you've got the word, you're you're done for. Yeah, it's true. Mm-hmm. So let's, uh, let's say a few of the things you have uh, accomplished in that realm. Before we move on to the actual premise of the... It's been 20 minutes, but it's been fun hanging out, though. Oh. Okay. Just hanging out. Now everybody knows what my mom did. And, <laughs> and that I've got Farley Mowat's <laughs> books on my shelf. Yeah, and that I don't have my green card yet. Yeah, but I got Farley Mowat's books up there. Yeah. I got two models I made from the kid when I was a kid. The Aurora Monster Models, man. Yeah, they're wicked. that era, right? Frankenstein no, and Wolfman. Yeah, he's got Frankenstein and Wolfman models that I will uh, yeah. admit they look really old. Yeah, they, yeah. So you made those when you were a kid. Dad and I paint those. Oh, yeah. And then uh, I was in Newfoundland once, and Buddy was stenciling uh, faces. Yeah. And I've got Lenny Bruce and George Carlin up there, and Johnny Cash is in the middle. Yeah. That's not the same guy that did Johnny no, Cash. No, no, somebody else yeah, did you can that tell. One. Totally nice. different. Yeah, you got a little comfort zone here, and yeah, you got I a do. lamp made out of arrows, so if someone comes in, sneaks behind you, you can smash their face through that. 
I've done that to people who've crossed me, Chris. Yeah, yeah that's why yeah. they're kind of... Yeah, Mr. Affable is just Mr. Bullshit. <laughs> yeah. Say hi to my lamp. <laughs> Fuck, man. He can but turn. Can I say... so? Because yeah. before you... Up, down, up and down in Shaky Town is what really made you blow up as a stand-up, like a performer, solo performer. Yep. And you wrote that whole show, and I saw the show in the... 90s i believe right or early 2000s did you really no i saw the tv one. Oh yeah yeah i saw the tv one when i might that have was the first year of the comedy network okay there you yeah, go yeah yeah and i, I watched got... as soon as we got a comedy network i watched it like crazy cool that's yeah. when they were producing stuff <laughs> yeah what you was know? that one the uh private dick what was that butch patterson i don't i don't know what that one was <laughs> yeah was that? that was it was one know. of the anyways but yeah that show i watched and uh i always remember uh, I'd never seen a stand-up get away with referencing Fellini before. And I think ah. you referenced Eight and a Half in that, right? I did. Yeah. And then, uh, so you wrote that, though, from, it's about everything you had to do in, in L.A. Angeles, like everything, yeah. the up and it's down. Thing, it defined Shaky me. It Town is Hollywood, basically. Yeah, it didn't, it didn't really um, uh, blow me up, but it, it, uh, it declared my comedic voice i guess yeah i needed to put los angeles in perspective yeah i needed to get more from it than just disappointment and uh i got close on some things you know but never, um you were on one of my all-time favorite shows get a life episode yeah oh you remember he's that. not telling me to get a life everybody it was the show get a With life chris, chris elliott yeah who and- i just got to meet recently at oh. the Shits creek premiere oh great man so after all those years of being a huge fan he's so great i got to meet him but yeah that that and you i remember being like what you know it was when i was re-watching it so i already knew me and were- brian doyle murray yeah, you guys were cops, right? Yeah, cops back to the 70s that were running <laughs> cockfights in the backyard. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's what that show was insane. That was yeah, a, that was cool. You know who wrote for that? Bob Odenkirk. Yeah. Did he write that episode? Yeah, because I auditioned. Did you meet him at that time? Yeah. Amazing. Yeah, he was in the room. I saw his first one-man show down at uh, the Third Street Promenade. Oh, Half uh, of My Face is a Clown? Is Jesus, that the one? Jesus, it was something else. I saw, I've only seen the poster in, like, scrapbooks. Yeah. That was back in 1990. Yeah. 90. He's brilliant. Oh, man. And I remember watching that thinking, what am I doing? I mean, this guy is, you know, this this guy is is letting it hang out, man. Yeah. And I asked him, I said, where did you work it out? And he worked it out in clubs. And that was before Largo. And that was before the whole alternative yeah. scene uh, kicked off. And he was even before his show with David Cross. Yeah, you really had to shoulder through in those yeah. days. And I asked him, did you work it out at comedy clubs? He said, no, man. No one would have listened to this stuff at comedy clubs yeah. because it was character-driven monologues right. with a theatrical narrative. So I saw that, and then Spalding Gray's show came out. Uh, it's interesting how things work on you. you know, I saw yeah. Bob Odenkirk, then I saw Spalding Gray swimming to Cambodia. And at that point in time, that was a I hadn't made the move to stand up yet, like breaking the fourth wall. Yeah. And I liked Spalding Gray's, um, I liked the theatricality of that and I liked the narrative. Yeah. But, uh, so do you count well, up and down a shaky town as stand up? No. No, one man show. Yeah. 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 And, um, but it was, um, you know, I stayed with it and I pulled my best bits out of that and, uh, threw them up on amateur nights. Yeah. And then when I, after I got those reviews, uh, from the Globe, the Star, and now I still had to do amateur night at the Laugh Resort. Yeah. So I throw those best bits up at the Laugh Resort and started building it. But you know what? I was um, I had no control for the longest time in front of that mic. 
When I did Shaky right. Town, it was a different speed. It was storytelling, right? Well, you're coming from the theater and Second City background and everything, yeah. right? Yeah. And then when I moved into stand-up, it, it, uh, it, uh, I seemed to kick into a visceral gear uh, faster. Well, the audience almost shuts off sometimes when they think you're up there just doing it for yourself, right? You Absolutely. almost need to look at them incorporate them which sort of changes the one-man show style performance and that was the biggest thing i had to learn moving from shaky town to stand up yeah i remember there was a club in montreal i forget the name of it now i think it's still there the nest or the comedy works comedy works yeah yeah and buddy said uh look you're not a stand-up uh and uh you're not a stand-up yet and i wasn't yeah and uh then i came back again and uh uh two years later i think or maybe yeah 18 months two years later and it was a whole different vibe, right? Yeah. Because you got to break that fourth wall. You can't be self-indulgent. All this stuff is so precious. And it right. makes you better, man. Yeah, right? it does. Throw it out. Because it makes you... I was... Yeah. I, I used to do... Like in my 20s, I was really weird, absurd. Yeah. And I did really like just self-indulgent goofiness for me. And the crowds would laugh. But then like it would be night and day, depending on the crowd. If it was a cool, hip, Queen West type, type yeah. of crowd... I would be great. And then I'd go do another show out of that comfort zone and I would tank. And then I was reading this book, The Hello I Must Be Going, the Groucho Marx book. Oh, yeah. And he says something like, I think I may have said this on the podcast before, but he said, uh, just one easy sentence changed my whole view in my late 20s that made me more like how I am now. It was, if you're going to choose to be a performer, be a performer. There you go. And I was like, oh, yeah. I'm not. I haven't chosen that yet. I'm just being self-indulgent, all me, whatever. You know. Interesting. Yeah. Well, so consider the audience. Don't pander to them, but consider they're look, there. You gotta. You know. They bought a ticket to see you. Yeah. There's no sense. You're not going to have a career if you're only playing to the back of the room. Yeah. And I think that there is a conceit that exists that if you're not playing to the back of the room, you're not authentic. That you're too busy pandering. But yeah. Look, man. <laughs> you know. So you weren't coming from the same place. You weren't like self-indulgent, like I'm an artist. You were just performing, but you had to learn the intimate rooms yes. performance style yes. is what you're saying. Yeah, it's, yeah. Di- it's different, but, but it's the know, same Jack sort of thing. But you know, came from where you came from, Chris. Yeah. I remember riding in the bus with him back to the airport, the shuttle, yeah. after his first time at Just for Laughs. And uh, I said, hey, man. Uh, and uh, he played the Theater St. Denis and he was just overwhelmed because oh, he was yeah. a small, he was a small room alternative comic. Right? Yeah. And uh, I, I forget his set. I forget the joke that he got in the Montreal Gazette. I said, "Hey, man, you got a joke?" He went, "Oh, wow, very soft spoken dude. You know, very yeah. nice." And I said, "Boy, that's great. You know, there's a lot of comics here to get a joke picked. That's that's really that's wonderful." He said, "Yeah, wow, that room last night, oh, that's so intimidating." I said, yeah, that's a lot of people, 1,700 people. There's a lot of people bearing down on you. It's yeah. like the prow of a ship, too, because the balcony juts right out at you, right? Yeah. And I said... Uh, I remember that theater. He said, uh, well, how many have you played for? And I just played for the Halifax Comedy Festival. Yeah. I said, well, there were 1,000 at the Halifax Comedy Festival. Wow, 1,000. I said, how many have you played for? Well, last week when I was working on the material... And the club was packed. I think there were about 35. Yeah. So there's a guy, though, <laughs> who stayed the course with his voice. Yeah. 
that that's what I got to tip my hat to. Yeah. You know, I said to Brent once, I remember watching um uh Brent was on the alternative show in Brent Montreal, Pratt. yeah. Yeah. And uh with Andy Kindler. And I was watching the alternative comics not giving a rat's ass whether they got a laugh or not. I said, "Jesus." I said, "I'm a I must be a frisbee dog, man, because if I'm not hearing laughs after 30 seconds, I'm running like a midget." Yeah. But it's not quite like that anymore, but that I, used to be my modus operandi. No, I've seen you perform a bunch of times. Oh. There's a little bit of running, but it's not as... <laughs> <laughs> That's only because my knees are shot. I wanted to ask you this, too. Uh, because of your writing, did you go through a huge beat poetry phase? No, man. Really? No. So where do you get that sort of uh, scatting sort of I don't know, mate. diction, you know? I just like the way words trip off the tongue and tickle the ear. Yeah. I read a lot. You know, Corm- I read a lot of Cormac McCarthy years ago. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Blood Meridian and, um, you know, be... Uh, you and- like the real manly uh, stuff. Well, not really, you know. I like... Uh, well, Farley was a great author for kids. Yeah. Uh, you know, you got to love Dylan Thomas. Yeah. Got to love his stuff. And I read Kerouac, but I wouldn't say that I was a hardcore student of them. Interestingly enough, uh, t- to come back to that is uh, one of the quotes that inspired me by that I read by Bob Odenkirk like twenty years ago or something was no, not twenty years ago, but a while ago uh, was you got to write to the height of your intelligence. Intelligence. That's that's a Del Close phrase. Oh, really? Played. Well, the, he came from Second City. Yes, he did. Too. Played, yeah. and he had Del Close as a teacher. I miss Del Close. There you go. And but I heard that phrase. But so you're basically yes. when you write your bits, you're like, I'm going to write exactly how I want it. This is me. This is exactly how I'm going to say it. Absolutely. That's and, cool. Um, and I never underestimated the um, intelligence of the room. Do you know? Yeah. Never. Never. And um, that's why. Um, it's perplexing sometimes when uh, I used to come back off the road and play a room in Toronto, yeah. and uh, they'd wince and pull back at some at some bits that um, I never thought were um, uh, unduly politically incorrect at all. Right. You know, but I think there's a um, there's a tone to the work now. I think I have more control over how I deliver it and how I pace it. Okay. And pacing had to be learned for me. That was a big learning curve over oh, many yeah. years, right? And um and once I decided though that it was about the work yeah. and not about getting anywhere, once I settled into right. my skin and said, "No, this is about it's like Grocho said, this is about the work." Yeah. This is about trying to make sense of the world and and connect the dots and the chaos we're all walking through. This is a this is a calling, man. Yeah. And it's got to be a calling when you're stuck in a blizzard uh, on the 401 or the Rockies yeah. heading to some, you know, 400-seater in Cranbrook on a Tuesday night, <laughs> you know, and they've just closed the road behind you because of the avalanche or, <laughs> you know. You know yeah. I remember uh, talking to Ed That's Roberts. why comedians get ripped off so much because the businessmen know we just want to do it no matter what. Exactly. <laughs> Well, yeah. that's that's why I that's why I um I took the I took the helm myself. Yeah, pretty shortly after. That's what I'm trying to do. Yeah. Well, you have to. Uh, it's I was lucky though. I got out when the buffalo were still there. You know. 
Yeah, uh, I think I know. <laughs> there well, were you know. There. well, you know, I mean, um, right, not was... everybody came to the road wasn't crowded. Yeah, I had right, a great. Right. Um, I had a great uh, producer too, by the name of Terry McRae, yeah. at Shantero Productions, and uh, I um, uh, I walked uh, last year from that relationship after fifteen years, and I'm still trying to figure out whether it was the right choice or not because oh, he was as go. honest as the day is long. Well, that's and, good uh, for you to even say because you know it's good to oh, get no, outside no. to have an objective. No, you got to take uh, you, for a you have to stand back and admit. If you've made a mistake, you know, yeah. because that's the only way you're going to learn. It's yeah. like somebody who continues to spend uh, on their visa card, even though they're racking up an unholy debt. <laughs> yeah. uh, anyway, anyway, I was uh, like, "How can he see my visa card?" <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, but so this, we started stringing the trap line 15 yeah. years ago. You know, but I know it's good. In 2008, the marketplace got so glutted once the American dollar uh, went south. And nobody was up here. I mean, it was pretty well virgin territory. It was me well, and you, just for laughs. Yeah. Well, you know, the up and down in Shaky Town, them playing that a mm. lot on the Comedy Network. Still? No, when they were. Uh, in when the, they were. Yeah, like you were saying. Um, so in a way, like, yeah, you're learning how to play different rooms. Like mm. after that, you're saying, but you're still garnering fans from that. So you're touring around. You you know you you still established a voice with that show. So, I did, and you and even though you like you're saying you you learned little ways of adapting to to different st- all kinds of different stand up rooms and stuff, you still had your voice intact. You're just maneuvering it. Correct. Work. So that's great. It's really functional. And then that parlayed itself into two uh, uh, TV shows: Blackfly and uh, the Ron James Show. Yeah. Well, so Blackfly was a. Uh, I was up along the tip of Lake Superior, staying at the White Otter Inn, yeah, and uh, on the Voyager Parkway. Talk about synchronicity! Uh, across from the uh, old canoe routes that the Voyagers and the Ojibwe took on their way to Fort William, and uh, that's when I got the call that it was picked up. You know, and so you're uh, actually being bitten by black flies. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I was on a winter tour, actually. I was okay. playing. Uh, I booked uh, eight gigs. Uh, I did contact several years ago, yeah. and uh, I set my booth up there at the CBC atrium. I was beside some company that did the entire works of Shakespeare in forty-five minutes, and <laughs> and some you know um, ancient wind instrument dance ensemble. I don't know. <laughs> anyway, it's stuff the theaters book, and yeah. um, of course, buskers. There's always buskers, and uh, so yeah. I booked these uh, half a dozen dates around the tip of Lake Superior in the wintertime. I was playing community centers and, uh, you know, high school auditoriums and things and legions. And, uh, yeah, so, uh, you know, you're playing places like Atacokan, 500 people in the town, two last names, things like that. But somebody gave me a a brown paper bag after my show that had a a seven and a half pound sirloin tip moose roast in it. Yeah. And I left it outside my door at the White Otter Inn that night. Uh, because it was so cold, but I uh, and I figured, well, you know, things are working out. You know, you know, you're on the right track in Canadian showbiz when people are giving you moose meat, right? <laughs> so uh, I went, uh, but that was a big, big lesson, Chris. Yeah, because you have to stay. Uh, you really have to know your idea 
because everybody's going to try to pull it in 15 different directions. Yeah. I was on global TV, and I don't know how I got on global in those days, but I did Yeah, when they hold Canadian content in such contempt. So with Salter Street Films, and they got involved with a couple of other projects when they were doing this. So uh, notably um, Columbine with Michael Moore. They were producing that at the time I was down there. Oh, yeah. So I had uh, I really had this gigantic... Um, gigantic beast to wrangle yeah. every day. And so you'd be on your feet 12 hours a day. Did it make uh, the Ron James show easier to deal with since you had that experience? Oh, yeah, ab- uh, ab- the, absolutely, 100%. And I had a team that had my back, you know. Yeah. I had a writing room. Well, I know understood. a lot of your writers, oh, and they're all amazing. You, you had know, the best in the biz, Oh, I think. my goodness. It was just, yeah. you know, coming into that room every day. I knew I'd cross a threshold every day and laugh. That's right? amazing. Right? I knew that I'd be laughing, and I knew that I'd be challenged, and I knew and that I'd be engaged. That's what you want for a job. Absolutely. You want to walk in and laugh. Absolutely. And play. Mate. And um, because uh, I didn't have that in the first two seasons of Black Fly. Yeah. And, um, you know, I wanted to satirize. I pitched at the Global. I wanted to satirize current social and political trends in the context of the 18th century Canadian fur trade, <laughs> which was like <laughs> I rolled a big fat one the night I got uh, that but sentence like together. But I like that. That's, That's I've. I've uh, my friend Glenn and I came up with an idea about two idiot fur traders. I think that stuff's so that part of our heritage is not. Uh, That's good to hear, man. Parodied as much. You no, know? it's not. It's not. And man. it's really weird that we come from all that craziness. And then they sanitized that I wanted it to be darker, much like Black Adder esque. Yeah, you know, and uh, global. And yeah, and here's the thing with television: you, you have to pick your battles because you want to stay on TV. Yeah. Right. Right. And um, but what I don't get with um, Canadian television, perhaps Schitt's Creek is going to change that, but um, they will pay. um, They'll buy all these uh, American programs that have bite and edge and they'll pay lip service to them. You know, they'll they'll talk about them and and will use them as totems of the best uh, of comedic writing that there exists today in the acting. And yet they're so tentative when we'd like to push the envelope somewhat. Yeah. And that's the tough thing is trying to convince them that it's okay to push. They can't spend the money on us taking a risk, but they can spend the money on buying the American product that already took the risk with with their own money. There you go. That's what it is. Yeah. Well, uh, let's. That's a good way to seg. Usually, okay, we're at forty minutes. Mm. Usually, I get into this part of the podcast about ten minutes oh. in. <laughs> but talking to you, I, I'm really glad. And anyone who's listening, I just want you guys to know, I'm really glad we didn't go. We, you know, it's not often that you get to actually hang out for this long and get a good chat with Ron James. So I'm glad we talked about too, established buddy. all that other stuff first. Anyways, this stuff doesn't matter. It's just more fun. But it's also we'll learn more about you through it. Anyways, is you know, you've already kind of expressed things, uh, opinions about the business and uh, and the Republicans and all that stuff. So the idea of the podcast is a utopian world, according to you. And what would that look like? And I can start off very easily. Uh, we don't have to go too hardcore, but even just like an... I'm assuming you would like to live in like a Canadian-style landscape just from what we've talked about and from what I know about you. But is there any specific environment you could, you'd want to, the world to be more like, like your personal utopia? I'd like to be around um, big herds of buffalo. Yeah. That would be nice. Let's just start with buffalo. Okay. All right? 
That would be good if there were... Are we thinking vintage Canada then? No. I think you're a vintage Canada man. Man, but without the scarlet fever and cholera. Right. Right? Without the... Uh, you want vintage Canada, but you can still wear a Patagonia jacket. Vintage Canada with Gore-Tex. Yeah. That's what I like. Vintage Canada with Gore-Tex. Yeah. And uh, Thurlow socks. Yeah. And, uh, oh, toilet paper. Right. I mean, you know, if you're going to be living off the grid, you don't want to be there so long that your ass crack is compost. Do you want to live off the grid in this I, perfect utopian world, say? Like, do you want, well, like, a I'd small like the, population? Do you want... How many people are there with you? Am I the ruler of it? <laughs> it's up to you. But is it David Koreshi? Like, bring on the hippie chicks? It's up to you. All right. You could flat out say, I want to be the ruler with hippie chicks if you wanted to. <laughs> that would be kind of cool. Just for... Just to see how it goes. Yeah. To be... And I'm short, right? So already that megalomaniacal messianic mission bullshit is right encoded in my dna oh i didn't want to i have no right. idea well no chris <laughs> come on you know it's the short guys right? i'm sort of short yeah but sort of doesn't cut it right yeah no no, no. so are you you're are, are you the leader of a hippie commune in the in old canada with the gore-tex yeah. <laughs> See? I like that. I like that. See? I like that. Yeah. And, uh, you can do but, anything you want. Okay. That's what I love about this part. Okay. Uh, flush yeah. toilets, and we'd only have the outhouses for uh, high holy days. Oh, really? What, is a, what does well, that well, entail exactly? Well, if I was the leader exactly? of hippie... Well, that would be the days when you'd be really off the grid. Yeah. Well, what would a high holy day be for um, a Svengali... Uh, Warlock. Uh, <laughs> I swear. I just threw in Warlock. Yeah. Because Warlock. No, nope, are- too late. You're a Warlock. <laughs> okay. A Svengali Warlock leader of hippie chicks on yeah. a plane. Uh, yeah. With buffalo Filthy with all buffalo all around. Right. And. Um, okay. Can, so I, can I change day. Warlock to. Yeah. Warlord. Uh, Sue Shaman. Sure. Okay. What kind of shaman rituals are you doing? Just the funny ones, the good ones. <laughs> Where are you? What's a funny shaman ritual? Well, pre- uh, in order to get in a trance, he'd play the spoons around the campfire. Right. That's it. Yeah. Have you been to a ritual like that? No, I have not, but I did play the spoons. In That'd the be U- funny if you did, and then you started laughing, and then the shaman said, it's not supposed to be funny. <laughs> <laughs> And you're like, there's no I go, way. I can do what I want. And and he and he would go, no, I'm the shaman. I go, Fuck you, I can do what I want. And he'd go, yeah. yeah, well, I can do what I want. How do you like your donkey ears? And you just look at the mirror and you go, oh, my. Yeah, exactly. Because right? those guys will turn fast, right? Yeah. Right. And you look at your drink. You're like, do I have donkey ears or is there something in this drink? <laughs> right? Because they put, don't they do weird stuff? Yeah, shaman have, yeah. Magical powers. I think, well, hold it, hold it, hold it. I think we're... Yeah. Mixing magics here, so to speak. I think shaman would... I think you're talking Canadian. Shaman uh, would trance you into... Uh, thinking you have in, donkey ears. Thinking you have donkey ears. Where a warlock would go, hey, look over there. In yeah. The drink, right? Maybe you're right. Look, there's an eagle talking to a deer. Yeah. Well, who are those... What are those guys called in the, the Amazon that give you like... Necromancers. Wow, I just wanted to say that. <laughs> In that voice, too. Yeah. Are you necromancer. Some, what are you, some kind of necromancer? <laughs> right? That's how you greet people that enter your village in this utopian world. 
Let's just name it right now for fun because I like this place already. What uh, would you call it? You're not a warlock. You're a shaman. What would you call it? Yeah. Uh, See, this is the the world is your oyster right now, literally. Run one step too far's place. One step too far. Run one step too far. That the, that's my sort of native name, Chris. I thought that was rather. Did, did, was that given to you, or did you make that up? Well, it was given to me when I always went one step too far. Oh yeah, yeah. Like with comedy or in sometimes personal I, in personal life, my ex-wife gave me that name. I oh. remember I was doing an improv at Second City once. Uh, my buddy's house burned down, so yeah, decided to do a benefit because for of him. you. No, no, I had nothing to do okay, with that. So we did a benefit for him. And everything was good. I was hosting it. That was the first half. Yeah. And then I went backstage. And in those days, I still used to have a toke. And I yeah. had a couple of tokes backstage. And I came out. And I was imitating Robert De Niro training chihuahuas. <laughs> and uh, one chihuahua wouldn't yeah. get through the, wouldn't jump through the fiery hoop. Yeah. So I sort of picked it up and punted it. Oh. An imaginary yeah. chihuahua. And on the way home, she said, what's the matter with you? Why did you have to punt the dog? Right. I swear, your your Indian name is run one step too far. So it always stayed with me. That's a good name. It's a pretty good name. But also, I'm with... I don't agree with her. It was an imaginary chihuahua. It was fun times. Perhaps that's why I live alone now. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Uh, But it kind of was. but, But I did have an argument with the dog. Uh, but warning uh, to uh, aspiring comedians out there: there's there's no need in performing high. Right. I don't even perform. With, I used to end my show That's with a, a couple lesson. of drinks and a uh, a couple of beers and a drink of scotch, and now it's yeah. uh, a couple of Advil and a glass of Gatorade, man. Yeah. Now my knees click and all that stuff. But don't tell the- anyone. But my green room ritual is sometimes like a banana and a green tea. <laughs> Perfect, man. Perfect. Whatever works. You don't have to get. I, I just can't yeah. work with a buzz on. Well, I, Steve Martin's book was good, and wasn't that a great book? Yeah, I think I read it in one day. I was so it excited. was so good. I love when Carson leans into him and says, "You'll use everything you ever knew." That's totally true. That is so totally true. I know. And when you hear his stories of doing stand up at the drive-in, and when people liked them, they honk their horn. Yeah, yeah. Hey, what kind of <laughs> circle of hell is that what kind of sir and his perseverance yeah. after you know what it, it's and you know he did the carson show 17 times didn't he was it 14 uh, or 17 times the number but then he he kills yeah he kills on the carson show he did he finally any- has redemption after being blackballed and he goes into a corner yeah. store and the lady behind the counter says were you that young man on the johnny carson show last night and he said well yes i am my name's steve martin and she said you're awful yeah. Right? And I just, uh, I don't I don't think... He probably still gets weird old ladies saying that to him. Yeah. You can never get past, that. you can never escape all the... the I don't wh- think there's any calling that much um, suffers like that because it's such an absolute, right? It's like when the trolls People will think turn... Because, yeah. When the trolls will turn on you on Twitter. Yeah. Right? When you'll say something about... The, oh, I think I saw you got into about a, the a fight with a guy the other day. Yeah, I did get in a scrap with the guy the other day. Yeah. And they just usually say that I'm, you know, 
a tax. I'm stealing the taxpayers' dollars because I'm at the CBC and I'm not funny. I think I said something. Wow. Bill C fifty one is going to make a hide a grandmother with a drum standing in front of a bulldozer, just as guilty as the terrorist from ISIS with a suicide vest. I did. Yeah, I read that. And they went ape shit. Yeah. Yeah. And they don't think of you as like because you because it's like we uh, we choose to be the clown quote unquote they don't think of us as real people anymore oh. so they you know so they say these harsh things and then they'll like say stick to comedy and I'll go but that is comedy right you know right right but that is comedy but yeah. they're so you know because of this dysfunctional deference for authority to go back to Farley again yeah it, it, it's uh, I feel like your utopian world is Farley esque well Farley'd be my neighbor. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The other one thing is the <laughs> animals talk. <laughs> right? I like how naturally... Oh, yeah. And by the way, the animals are talking. The buffalo, they got a lot to say. What about these guys on Twitter? Are they in this world? No way. They're killed, No, right? I wouldn't think so. What if they showed up on your land? <laughs> well, then their, they... heads, their heads would be on spikes. <laughs> That's the other thing, right? It looked like Kurtz's compound. When yeah. the wrong ones come, it's like, no, sorry. Look up in the hill. I like that you're not 100% worrying about being polite, that you can go curtsy and on it. Well, anybody worth their salt has a curtsy and moment from time to time, don't they? I hope so. Yeah, yeah. Everybody's got to spend some time in the belly of the whale. Yeah. Right? You're not, you know, you got to lose. You got to go to the dark side because if you don't, you'll never know what the light's like. Jesus, that ever sounds stupid. That's like <laughs> a fucking Hallmark card. <clears throat> That's why every time. When you really get going sometimes, I'm like, he's a bait poet or something. Well, I like language, buddy. I like <laughs> the way it... Uh, and I'm a reader more than I am a watcher, you know? I mean, I'll sit down and I'll watch all, you know, the um, Breaking mm-hmm. Bad and, and Deadwood and Justified and yeah, all those yeah. great... Boy, they can make a show, can't they? Down Even there? those are the manlier shows. See, Deadwood? Yeah, yeah, I guess well, so. I, could see you liking, I like Game of Thrones. I could see you liking Deadwood and Justified, though, for Deadwood, sure. the profanity of Deadwood... Yeah, it, it, it was. I really love that guy. What's that guy? Swearingen. Uh, Swearingen was the best. How perfect was that name? He was the best. Yeah, yeah. You know he who was else the best is character? Are, are the Trailer Park Boys? Yeah. Honest to God, I mean, there's three guys. Talk about channeling your world. Talk about honing in in your world and staying your course. Yeah. Much like Zach did. Much like you know you do, and your generation does. You've got your voice, and. You're sticking to it. There's so many avenues now to independently sell, promote your voice, which I don't think was before the internet that available. Like, I'm so old like school. Like this podcast, I'm not. I do this for free, but then you know it promotes all these other things, and people well, listen to it all over the world. It's very well, not all over the world, man. but well, who knows? Maybe they will. But you couldn't really. I guess you could do pirate radio back in the day, but it wasn't the same reach, not the same promotion. You know. No, no, no. I mean, so, I don't even so, know where this is going. I see there's plugs and stuff, and there's something that looks like a transistor radio. What's that? What yeah, is it? This is the uh, production unit, the whole thing. That's the whole unit that sends it off to the Zoom H4N. cyberspace. Yeah. Well, wow. no, I'm, I'm going to up. I'm going to take the file, put it on my computer. Oh. And then Did I, you have to take a course on how I to work that. Uh, yeah, five years. <laughs> No, I just yeah. learned how you, to use it in know, two seconds. Here, okay. This is my <laughs> office, Chris. You're not allowed to turn on me in my own office, okay? You know, if you could I just if you could just keep the sarcasm to a minimum. <laughs> nah, anyway. Yeah, it was a five year course. Jeez. 
Hey, no, no. No, what you should have said, yeah, it's a five-year course, old man. I, I would never. I know. I know. I know that. I know I'm getting that. old. I like getting old, man. I like seeing my line in the sand. I like knowing what it is. Well, I'm, It's great for a comedian to get older, you know. Yeah. I think it is. There's more to talk about. There's more to talk about, you know. I, I really yeah. think, yeah. I remember in the earlier days of Second City on Lombard Street, uh, you know, so cocky. I thought you had the word right because you were on main stage and all that stuff. And right, uh, I never got to see that theater. Or I never went. Yeah, it was a heady day. It was a good time, uh, and uh, uh, you know, like three hundred and fifty bucks a week to do eight shows a week, right? Yeah. And uh, but you were. I, I learned the fundamentals of my craft. But what I'm trying to talk about is the, uh, you know, the conceit of youth that somehow you have all the answers. Yeah. And uh, what's great about staying in the game, you know, I got 20 years under my belt now in stand-up this, this last winter. Uh, January, 90, um, January 95 was when they got my first check. Wow. Yeah, Barry Julian and I did a double set at uh, who now writes for Colbert, I think. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. I think he's Amazing. a Peabody recipient. Uh, good guy from Montreal. Yeah. And uh, that's another thing about the uh, community here that I've noticed anyway. It's very supportive. Yeah. And I noticed you guys at the Comedy Awards in Ottawa this winter, uh, yeah. how, uh, how enthusiastic you were for uh, Gary and... What uh, what a great job he's done! He's amazing on yeah. creating um, on creating a place where comedians can go and feel um, welcome. Oh, yeah. and at home and get great. Yeah, well, I'm going there tonight. I mean, oh. Kathleen and I live 50 minute walk from there. Uh, always going up and working on stuff there. It's I miss that. Chris. We met through Sketch, like you know, me and Gary, like 15 years ago. Oh boy, and. That's what he's turned into. He's like just kept building, building stuff for the community. Yeah, it's really well, nice. uh, it's uh, his uh, his. Oh, speech. and when I go to the states, like uh, especially at California, yeah, most of those actors or most of those uh, bigger comedians there, um, they know him from here. Yeah, because they all come like, play the room. Yeah, they're all oh. like, "Oh, Toronto, the comedy bar is the best." Wow, honestly, isn't talk, that great? Yeah, they talk like that in L.A. Like every time I meet someone new. Well, yeah. you know, it's it's important. If you're going to, uh, um, so is there a comedy club in this uh, reserve that? You're oh yeah, there's got to be a place <laughs> where you village? can work. Your, yeah, I think so. Uh, it'd have yeah. to be. Uh, oh, you know what would be great is to see what material. But you could only do your material after three days of fasting on a vision quest, <laughs> right? That's already what your material sounds like. It does, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm trying to say. <laughs> I got to learn how to talk in sound bites, brother. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You can only deliver your your material after you've. Uh, That's awesome. Yeah. After how many you, people are there? Do you, so you have enough people to form a good crowd. Oh, it doesn't matter. Well, the animals can talk. Don't forget. Oh yeah. So it doesn't. So there's a lot of them there. I just pictured a bunch of raccoons sitting on a buffalo's back watching your show. The raccoons would be the hecklers. Oh yeah, they're jerks, eh? <laughs> well, come on, man. Look what they're like in your garbage. <laughs> Imagine what they're like in Utopia. <laughs> Raccoons would be heckling. Uh, and, uh, How would you deal with a raccoon heckler? Uh, well. Just throw old hot dogs at them? Well, well, where would you get old hot dogs in uh, Primal Utopia, Chris? Right. Right? Clearly I'm, you didn't. Clearly you took the course, five-year course for your machine. <laughs> oh, my God. You're never you, going to forget that. I can't believe he... <laughs> You know, he turns. That was a friend style he, joke. 
<laughs> he turned that was from the friend uh, sure, folder. Sure. All right, then. Okay. Okay. Okay, no hot dogs. I like that you don't want hot dogs there. You want they even be, the food will be natural. They would be throwing rancid pemmican at you. I don't know what pemmican is. Uh, your Canadian citizenship should be immediately revoked. What is it? A pemmican was the uh, fundamental food of the voyageurs when they moved across country. It was buffalo yeah, fat and jerky beaten. It was buffalo fat that was beaten into a pancake with uh, all sorts of wild berries in it. Did which, they have different flavors like barbecue, salt, and vinegar? <laughs> okay. Come on. No, 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 no. Okay. I'm trying to help oh, no, no, you. I know you were. I know you were. Pemmican. Pemmican. Actually, I just said it this weekend in the Yukon that if somebody made pemmican as a trail food now, it would catch on. And you could make barbecue and salt and vinegar and ketchup pemmican. Did they know what you were talking about in the Yukon? Yes, of course they did. Of course. Right. You know, I mean, living off the grid there. It's, it's, it does sound like something it's that... It's pride to live off the grid in the Yukon. Yeah, yeah. Across the river, they say in Dawson. Yeah. You know, in, in Toronto, they'll say, oh, I live in Rosedale, or, you know, I live in Trinity Bellwoods. Right. Right. Where um, in the Yukon, they'll say, uh, I live across the river, practice home dentistry, and I shit in my hat. It's really, fuck, it's really out there. And there's a pride, there's a certain weird pride in trying to live as close to the 1898 conditions. Yeah. Like, there's a lot of public vomiting. Wow. You know, you don't see miners, (laughs) you don't see, I shouldn't say that about the Yukon in case there's an aspiring community going, hey, wait a second, that's not my town. But when I was there on the weekend, my my window opened on the street across from this place called The Pit. Oh, yeah. It's a fire trap iconic bar whose floors are wobbly. I gotta go. It's so cool. But I heard, I was woken up at 5 a.m. two nights in a row by vomiting. Like actual, you heard the retching. Yeah, 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 yeah. Jeez. You know, it's... That's a little harsh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The yeah. pemmican I could actually see... I would... I'm surprised... Being nobody... like a truck stop, sort of like, yeah, like a jerky thing. So anyway, I think that what I would... I guess it kind of was, like an ancient... And they'd take it in big bags, and they'd eat pemmican, and they were, you know, if they found duck eggs or whatever other things they found along the trail, they'd just mash that up into it. Oh, my God. So That's anyway, I think idea. I would probably be pelted with uh, rancid pemmican from the raccoons. I'd love to see. Or maybe it. they'd throw their their stool at me. So what would you do? Would you get them kicked out or would you just work harder to get them on your side? They'd be hats. <laughs> right? Yeah. They'd be hats. That'd be You'd be like, okay, guys. Okay, hey, hey. <laughs> Look what I got here. I got a seven and a half inch head. Yeah. You know, uh, <laughs> Right, maybe uh, start measuring them while they're heckling. There you go. They'll shut up. Nah. I'd love to see a Gordon Ramsay episode where he's yelling at uh, uh, raccoons. No, uh, yelling at um, pioneers cooking pemmican, <laughs> <laughs> making pemmican. That's a great idea, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, what are you doing? What's wh- you're mashing the the eggs all wrong? When yeah. have you turned um, on an audience? What's the worst ugly turn you've taken? When you've channeled your inner Wolverine. Wow. You're getting back at me now? I, uh, no, 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 because... No, I mean, like... You're, it's hard sometimes. I'm... I'm, I'm Yeah, it's... Well, you know... Uh, a bachelorette party that never shuts up. Uh, no matter what. The host, the you've, opening you've act... You've done or, a bachelorette party? 
Uh, well, like they're in the club, right? And oh. they take up a lot of the club. Oh yeah, I see. Um, I uh, Jeez, that's I, I was really harsh on a bachelorette party one time. Yeah, talking about how uh, they don't have jobs; they just pick up garbage on the highway. And I, <laughs> I was like, anyway, so it's. Yeah, I've never. Uh, yeah, I still try to keep it funny, but it's hard. You can feel your nerves going sometimes, right? Yeah, you can. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like, it's a harsh funny, and they know it, but the other audience, the the rest of the audience usually appreciates it, right? Because yeah. they're they're they paid money to enjoy a, a comedy, and and you know one group makes it all about them. That's, it's good to go off book though and see how far you can go before um, you know you feel the limbs start to crack. I do that a lot. That's I, fun. I love my, my favorite sets are long sets where I weave in and out of the written stuff. That's what Conley always did, right? Billy yeah. Conley. I saw him in Hamilton. He's sick, you know. I think he's got Parkinson's, Billy Conley. Oh, really? Yeah, I think so. Someone told me. He's a, um, I forget how I know this, maybe from the internet, but he's a, you look up to him. I sure do. As a, he's an influence on you? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, during some dark days in Los Angeles when I was out of work for a year and a half before I even answered the call to be a stand-up. Yeah. Uh, I remember I was watching his first HBO special. I think Whoopi Goldberg had seen him at the uh, Edinburgh Fringe Festival, and she brought him to L.A. Was that a direct inspiration for you? To, for yeah, that was one of the ins- inspirations yeah. at that point in time. Uh, I think Swimming to Cambodia came later. Saw Bob Odenkirk's one-man show. Uh, and believe it or not, Dennis Miller's first stand-up show before he became a real voice of the Republican right. Yeah, that uh, really was yeah. out of nowhere. That was weird. Well, I think it was something he evolved to because he became a Democrat with a broken heart. And He, he was uh, literally the king until 9-11, and then he said, I won't make a joke about the president. And you were like, what? What? Like, that's exactly yeah. what we need right now. <laughs> Absolutely. Know? That's yeah. why you needed Hunter S. Thompson in those days. Yeah. You know? And Hunter took an early exit. And uh, Well, yeah. David Den- Cross released an album about a ha- like a year after or so, and he said everything that people needed to hear. That one was a good one. Yeah. I've never seen Cross live. I'd love to. I just heard that album. Yeah, it was good. Yeah. But Dennis Miller's first yeah, special, sure, Black yeah. and White, it was great, and it was balanced. And it wasn't, but it's pretty hard. Oh, and there's another guy who's very verbose, plays to the, like, reference, like references uh, everywhere. That's where I got my influence for the love of language and oh, words, yeah. uh, you know. And I remember uh, just farting around with my notepad in those days, right, and yeah. writing jokes down and observations and stuff. And I yeah. remember there were a couple bits that I wrote that were close to what he delivered on um, Weekend Update. And I remember thinking, geez, maybe I'm onto something here. Yeah. You know, so I'd I'd go up to amateur nights at Ventura Boulevard coffee houses and uh doing the infancy of Shaky Town and observations about America and and here. But it was mostly uh, I was like a yeah, it was prose then. I was reading it, you know. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But it's cool. it, it's funny where all the influences come from, right? You pull think- from everywhere. Like Carson said to like Carson's you know, you're influenced by so much. Yeah. And uh, uh, and you're influenced by mediocrity too. Yeah, you know when you see mediocrity and you see it being rewarded, you go, "What? Well, wait a second. But there is no justice in show business. So right. even when mediocrity is rewarded, you just have to take solace that the road you chose and how you're you've decided to figure out the world still honors the craft, right? And the people that paid to see you. Yeah. 
Chris Rock said that. He said you can't be working out bits when they paid seventy five bucks to see you. I know. It's got to be tight. I met him and it was so embarrassing. Really? Because I told him my name was Chris Locke, and that I was always worried that he'd jump on a show with me, and then people would think, "Oh, I'm the shitty white version of Chris Rock." <laughs> <laughs> Did he laugh? He went, <laughs> like a nice, like he obliged me basically, and then I felt like going into a. Um, ah, come on, crawling man. into a fire But yeah. I'm glad I said it, who cares Good for you for you know saying I mean? it You know, I don't, uh, I'm not Look, man. I think I've said that story before on this podcast too But it's true, yeah But that's uh, But he's would, smart have, Yeah, he's very smart, but it wouldn't have cost him anything to give it up It wouldn't have cost him anything to Shoot the shit, you know uh, That's all Yeah but well, yeah. fame is different than being funny. He's a busy guy. I mean, he how is. many people want to like engage him? Like, it must be tons. He was dro- he was dropping on a show that I was on in New York. He was working on that set. He ended up doing on Saturday Night Live. Oh yeah. So I saw like the uh, early I stages that. of I that was on stage that night. That it's was on. really good. I heard it was great. Yeah, I think you can find it on the internet. But let's get back to uh, um, this little village. Uh, oh yeah, on, yeah. One step too far. Right. Uh, fresh water and the stream has smelts even though i'm seeing it in the prairies yeah there's got to be smelts and they just can't be running in april is there there's no government hey eh? you're the leader no no i mean i think there, there's <laughs> got to be community decisions i think there ha- and uh i like how you switch to your thinking face right away no <laughs> i think there has to be some community decisions but are you stuff. the leader I know you want to be. You can say it. Uh, uh, yeah, I guess so. <laughs> but uh, the town, man. the village is named after you. you Ron, know, one right? step too far. Yeah. yeah, Ron, one step too far. No, I'm not really pleased with that name. I would need, if I had more time. Well, do you want the village to remind you of your? No, it's not an ego. Remind me of what? Your ex wife all the time. Right, right. No. no. And it's, it, it shouldn't be an egomaniacal exercise because that's the whole thing with utopia. If you're the leader and, uh, you know, pretty soon uh, everybody's uh, drinking the Kool-Aid, singing hymns. Right. Right. You don't want that. No. Good. Right. So I think you have to have an egalitarian utopia of uh, – um, Actually, the hippie chicks, I was just like going for a laugh at the top. <laughs> but it would be great if every if there were families and everybody was um, like happy and stuff. But there can't be any – if there's conservatives, we just let them uh, hunt for us. I find it interesting that uh, – This is quite a challenge, Utopia. I know. I never spend any time thinking about what I it know. would be. I Has know. anyone said live underwater? Mm, no. Uh, Graham, I f- Graham Clark wanted to live in the trees. I want to be able to fly. Okay. Yeah. That's actually probably a wholly original one that I haven't heard yet. Yeah, I'd like to be able to fly. Yeah. You can't fly all the time. Right. Just Why you know, not? <laughs> well, then you'd get bored. It wouldn't yeah. be special. I was reading this article the other day, and it's like, uh, which is about utopias and... There is the uh, law of diminishing returns. If you keep getting everything that you want all the time, how do you enjoy it anymore? Well, that's the whole point I right? mean, of of uh, the journey yeah. is recognizing loss. So this utopia... So maybe you work throughout your life to fly, but it's hard for, all, for many years 
because you have to get it down. Like it's well, it's well, like stand up. It's like a craft. You know. Yes. Maybe there's that. But this hold it now. You know, you've just created an inherent contradiction in your premise by bringing up what you read the the, the law of diminishing returns. Yeah. You know, now that I'm thinking of utopia, I'm thinking of yeah. uh, that. Uh, H.G. Wells movie uh, book where the Morlocks lived. Yeah, Time Machine. Gr- time Machine. Yeah. And then everybody was sitting around in robes and stuff in bed sheets. That's... Doing yeah. nothing. Yeah, they were idiots. They were simps. But they were food for the Morlocks. That's exactly what they were. So are you afraid now? <laughs> well, I'm... I, I'm second- I don't want to be food to them for the Morlocks. <laughs> I'm second guessing it. You know, there's... No, it's okay, though. That's what I like about this is because it is... A hard contradictory thing to imagine so it gets you yeah it gets you thinking a little bit see now if you there's got to be something that you you have to fight for there we go well the raccoons are sound like dicks (laughs) that's only when you're doing your set yeah yeah. but the raccoons are dicks they would be they would be but i don't i don't consider them a real threat yeah okay you know i think they're just probably um Wrecking Maybe, your, uh, they're wrecking your tent. They're taking the knots out of your tent with their little raccoon hands and is stuff. Is this too Canadiana, but this is the vibe I get from you just today. Mm. What if you are like a protector of these buffalo, which is what they needed back in the day, right? Right. Maybe you're... you're so I'm fighting the hunters. Yeah, maybe your village is a protector against the uh, buffalo poachers. I like that. See? Let's pitch that movie. <laughs> yeah, I'd love that. Right? Because with CGI now, we could make huge herds. Yeah. Right? And when ha- Now this has turned into a, your, my utopia, which is a pitch session with Ron James. Of course, <laughs> anything that's mentioned in this room, I own 100%, Chris. <laughs> you know that, right? Yeah. Right? Okay. The door is sealed, too. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm stuck in here. I, I can't even finish this from the hallway. <laughs> that's right. I'm the protector of Buffalo. Yeah. And uh, just... I don't think you should be surrounded by hippie chicks 24-7 because you'd never get anything done. But I still... And they can be yeah. whiny. Oh, well, a little too passive. Yeah. Don't you think? Hippie chicks? Uh, yeah, maybe. Some of them, sure. Some of them. I shouldn't, <laughs> I shouldn't disparage. See, this is the thing. I shouldn't like disparage. The political climate that we're in right now, men so... can't say they want to be surrounded by women even though they, that's what they want. <laughs> we can't say it anymore. I well, like the fact visit. that they someone will take a risk and say, hey, guess what? I'm surrounded by hippie chicks. Deal with it. <laughs> <laughs> but also there are okay, some other type of ladies around. What if I'm taking hippie chicks across the prairies yeah. as a wagon master? <laughs> right? That's amazing. Yeah. That would be a good movie. Yeah. <laughs> now it's like, now you're literally just thinking of... Will this make a good movie? <laughs> and I love that. Get, right. get one of those posters like the uh, National Lampoon's Vacation where you're standing on a rock <laughs> and like hippie chicks are holding your leg and there's buffalo behind you. Buffalo behind me, all these great Canadian. And there yeah. would have to be some kind of... Raccoons uh, eating pemmican. And we would be, ch- we would be hunted by uh, Moose Jaw or something like that. Yeah. Some uh, evil nemesis. Oh, like the guy's name well, is Moose Jaw? Yeah, but Does I'm, he have a safari hat or something? Yeah, and I'm sort of stealing from the pilot for Blackfly now, but that's okay, because nobody saw either show. Was his name Moose Jaw? In the pilot. Oh, I didn't know. Okay. Yeah, that's yeah. all right. That's all right. 
I try not to go back and relive the past. That's it. Hey. Anyway, I don't know if we finally come to this. I think this. We uto- did. This I is really for, good. I think for a first draft of a utopia, we've done okay. This was a great journey. I mean, yeah. not just into your utopia, but uh, I'm really glad to hang out and chat with you. Yeah, it's fun, man. About all this stuff. Thanks, and buddy. Even though we, it took us a long time to get to uh, the premise of the, it's not all that the podcast is about. So uh, I'm glad. The conversation I'm glad is very because enjoyable. My credibility. Oh yes, it has. And I think that I really, um, for for new listeners um, that may not, might not be familiar with all that you've accomplished, all that stuff's in there, and uh, all these like, you know, intimate stories about that. I, I love it. It's all I'd, great. I'd love for some younger cats to come uh, to come and see my stuff. You know, I think that sometimes I get branded as uh, you know uh, a midlife. Uh, you know, sort of a midlife comic getting a little long in the tooth with a regional connotation. And uh, there's no doubt about it that the Maritimes and my upbringing has played uh, an important role in uh, developing my voice because I came from a world of an oral culture. I came from a place where people still told stories. Right. And I came from a world of definitive characters before things got gentrified. And I always... I, I just never wanted to gentrify my content so somebody in Idaho would know what I was talking about. Yeah. And I guess maybe I That's shortchanged myself. That's an admirable myself. trait. Well, I, 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 sometimes I think I might have shortchanged myself in that respect. But, you know, you, know you, you find your road and you walk it, right? Well, you've been touring all of Canada. You got, I'm going to release this tomorrow, Tuesday. Your show's Thursday at Massey Hall. April 23rd, yeah. Yeah, April 23rd. Uh, Hope you can make it. And you met my dad, who just moved out to PEI. Last <laughs> that was so year. cool. That was really cool because he's a you know he's from Ontario, but he's been a fan of yours for a long time. Um, yeah, we're around the same age, I think. Yeah, so not to no, no, I get reestablish it. the mid mid uh, yeah. middle age thing, but but yeah, they're huge fans, and they they just moved to PEI, so they well, were. Thanks, mate. It was very comforting for them to a. Uh, see you out there, see a show, intimate show too, because of the rain, apparently, right? Yeah, yeah, they were all in the big tent. That, big and then tent. also they got to talk to you after, and you said nice things about Kathleen and I, yeah, which totally validates oh, me to good. my dad. Oh. Like, no matter me being on TV, whatever, if Ron James said I'm funny, <laughs> now my dad's like, okay, okay, I get it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, anything I can do, bro. That was really cool. It's a long road. So yeah, you'll okay, keep uh, you'll keep, you'll keep acquiring fans all over the place, and you're doing a great thing. And even all in uh, you know you're a legend for various reasons. Oh, well, buddy, I'm so just, don't worry about it. You work with what you've been it's given. It's all good. Right? Thanks. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks. T- two TV shows. Yeah. Uh, you know, still touring. Come on, that's like most com- uh, Canadian comedians want. Well, I hope every comedian gets a chance to walk into a writing room like I did uh, every day for five years. And uh, share a table with Paul Pogue, Scott Montgomery, Pete Zedlacher, Gary Campbell, Cats yeah. Before Them, uh, Mark DeAngelis, yeah. uh, Dave McKenzie, uh, you know, Jen uh, Whalen, uh, Jen Robertson. Uh, all good at, um, and uh, I know I'm forgetting somebody. Um, oh, gosh. She, uh, she's an excellent female stand-up. She's one of the best, actually. Oh, Rebecca Kohler. Yeah, Rebecca Kohler. Yeah, yeah. She's awesome. Yeah. So, yeah, if you get a chance to walk into a room and make your living laughing. Yeah. And writing laughing. And, they, you know, they would remind me, too, because I'd get so bent out of shape with the bullshit I had to suffer with CBC. You I'm know? sure. Yeah. Bouncing me around the dial seven friggin' times, right. six times. 
And the boys would just say, look, man, you're getting laughs. I mean, remember what you got into this for. Yeah. And, you know, it's really, really important because I, uh, you know, uh, some, I mean, you can make this a carnivore's arena if you wanted to. You know, you can make it all about career. Yeah. You know, you can have your priorities so that you throw your grandmother under a bus to put a foot in the red fucking carpet. Right. But if you're running your life like that, it's eventually going to catch up with you. I just happened to dig uh, getting laughs, man. Yeah. Like we all do, right? That's the fundamental point of it all. Just getting some laughs. And hopefully, as time goes on, when you're doing what you're doing, you'll be getting laughs on the right stuff. And you'll be speaking truth to power and rocking the apple cart like you're supposed to. Well, there you go. That sounds like the perfect philosophy to me. Thanks, mate. Well, thanks so much for coming on. Did you have fun? I did. It was great. Yeah. And uh, I'll uh, I'll call you if I get any traction on that Utopia movie, Chris. <laughs> That's going to be huge. You'll you'll see. You 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 worry about me being middle aged, you say or whatever. You're going to be the new action star, Canadian, <laughs> Canadian action star. That's funny. Awesome. Okay. Thanks bro. so much, Ron. See you, buddy. Okay, everyone. Uh, that was Ron James. Ron, thanks so much for coming on. If you uh, heard us in the podcast talk about his show, this episode's coming out today, April twenty first. If you're in Toronto. And you hear this episode today or tomorrow, uh, or Thursday even. His show is at Massey Hall, Thursday, April 23rd, here in Toronto. So go check it out. Massey Hall, that's where like Neil Young plays. That's where Charlie Parker played, um, you know, a million people. So he's playing Massey Hall. Um, go check him out there. And uh, yeah, that's it. If you want to follow him on Twitter, at the Ron James Show. And so you can find out about other shows if he's coming near you or whatever and uh, other projects coming up. And follow us at utopia to me on Twitter. Beef those numbers up. We're getting a lot of attention. Uh, we got a huge shout-out on AV Club uh, a week ago, which was pretty sweet. So we're getting a lot of attention. Still want to beef up the numbers on Twitter so we look real. You know what I mean? I think every Anyways, ugh, I could talk about this forever. Twitter, man. But uh, follow me, too, at Fun. And then you find out more about shows I got coming up, stuff like that, and uh, also really silly thoughts I have. But that was it. That was the Ron James episode, and it was so much fun. And check him out when you can. Um, And you guys are great. Everything is... Did you... I just want to know, when you were you listening to this on your iPod as you tried the karate kick from house to house? If you did, I'm so sorry if uh, you didn't make it and you fell and you broke some bones. But if you did make it, Oh man, level one complete. You're on your way to becoming Daredevil. So congratulations. And also, that's it. Enjoy the spring, everybody. We're here. Thanks. Bye. Thank you.